When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another look at aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, maybe it's just me, or maybe do we all sort of agonize over fish stocking decisions? Am I like the only hobbyist who makes the fish selection process so onerous that getting confirmed to work as a special agent for the CIA might be easier? Like, I go through all sorts of mental gymnastics over like most of the fishes that I'll add or even want to add to my community aquariums. And the points that I take into consideration when making these decisions are not just like, will this fish get too large or can this fish, you know, uh, you know, last in my environment or, you know, will there be aggression issues or even do I have the skills to keep this fish? Those are all excellent points to consider when contemplating new fish additions, of course. But I think about it more esoteric stuff within those broader categories. Like here's some recent examples from my like mindset here. You know, questions like, do I really want another benthic kerosene in this tank? Or, or any kerosene for that matter? Will it compete for resources or territory with the other species? Will I even see it? Or, that fish is attractive, but only when it's in spawning mode. Otherwise, it's a great fish with brown markings. Do I really want another great fish with brown markings? <laughs> or, is this fish going to be timid, you know, taking a lot of time to settle in before it begins to prepare on, you know, to feed on prepared foods? Do I have enough supplemental food sources in the tank to carry it through this adjustment phase? And those are just the sub-issues related to the actual physical condition of the fish that go into my aquarium ecosystem. You know, being the overly weird, kind of obsessed about esoteric and obscure stuff kind of aquarist that I am, I'll think of even more ridiculous things to factor into the mix. Like, will this fish make the tank look too busy with its foraging habits? Is it one of those annoying fishes that is overly enamored with its own reflection, you know, and it constantly follows itself up and down the glass of the aquarium? You know exactly what I mean. I hate that. <laughs> Will I need to keep larger numbers of this fish to bring out the more natural behaviors in it? Do I want to add eight more gray-brown fish into this tank just so these guys can be comfy? What's the point in keeping this fish? Which, of course, literally reboots the process again. Sort of an endless data analysis, you know, sort of loop, right? I mean, I get even weirder still thinking through every possibility, every concept and every, you know, paradox that's related to keeping a certain fish. It's kind of one of those annoying habits that some of us, or at least that I developed over the years. I think it's a result of growing up with, you know, fish tanks in my bedroom as a kid, you know, and only having a few small tanks. I knew that I could only keep like a fraction of what I wanted to keep. So I had to consider almost every possibility when contemplating any new addition to my collection, like every Neon Tetra, every Zebra Danio. Each fish was given the same consideration as if it were a rare, expensive rift lake cichlid or an Asian arowana. I mean, I think it was easier to secure a, a nomination on the U.S. Supreme Court or to win an Academy Award than it was to get a spot in my aquariums. The slightest issue can disqualify a fish for consideration. I mean, it was like really hard. The decision-making process did serve me pretty well, and it continues to do so. But I think it could also result in my uh, lack of quick decisions, which has cost me some opportunities to keep cool fishes on multiple occasions, I might add. It got so bad that for a while, one of my fishes 
uh, fish buddies hated going fish shopping with me. I mean, what a joke to call it fish shopping because they always came back. These guys always came back with fish. I bought frozen food and carbon like 85% of the time. And it's cost me this crazy cautiousness or whatever you want to call it. It's cost me big time. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, I was considering a Pleco. Not just any Pleco, of course. It had to meet these stringent admission requirements for my tank. Like, it couldn't create too much disturbance on the bottom because I have a lot of botanicals and, you know, where I want them and so forth. I had a number of other fishes, like spotted headstanders, that tended to graze among the botanicals, and I didn't want there to be any conflict for the utilization of this territory. I wanted to make sure that the species I chose wasn't a complete algae-dependent or uh, required massive amounts of driftwood to chew on. Um, and of course it had to be a smaller one, blah, 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 blah. I went on and on and on. I finally centered on a, the L134 leopard frog, uh, Pecalchia compta. I know I didn't pronounce that right, but you know the one I'm talking about. It, it seems to tick all the boxes. I read everything I could find on that species. I surveyed my friends in the Pleco community. Thanks guys. Uh, I looked at it from every angle I could think of. And of course this particular species is, tends to be really freaking hard to get and rather pricey. Thanks to one of my friends, I was able to source a, a nice captive bred specimen from a place with a great reputation right here in California. All I needed to do was pull the trigger and I'd have my cat. So what did I do? I made the classic film and mistake of going on one more website, checking just a few more facts about the natural environment of this fish. Did another you know, mental feasibility study related to the hardscape that the fish would be living in. And you know what happened, right? Yeah, the fish sold in a couple of days before I, you know, spent, you know, all my time, well, I spent all my time doing these mental gymnastics. So, sure, I eventually did get one after being burned by my own cautiousness on two other occasions. Yeah, two other occasions. Now, I wish I was one of those guys who could just look at a fish and be ready to strike when the opportunity arises. I've actually adopted a sort of pre-analysis strategy now where I go sort of through all this stuff ahead of time just to keep a mental go list that I can draw upon when one of my favorite fishes becomes available. And I, that's sort of helpful. Of course, this strategy can backfire too. Once I was literally seconds away from pulling the trigger on an acquisition of one of my favorite fish, the, the Cranuca spolaris, the sailfin tetra that you know I've written about before. It's a fish that's literally was haunting my mind since childhood. Uh, I remember seeing that in a time-worn copy of William T. Innes' classic exotic aquarium fishes, you know, with the black and white picture of this fish. And I'm like, this is cool. So there I was. I was ready to acquire the fish of my childhood. I was closing the chapter on a lifetime obsession. This was a fish on my go list for like several decades. And what did I do again? In the 11th hour, I went on Google and did more research. I took another good hard look at this fish and I read somewhere that it's epistogramma-like in its existence, environmental preferences and its behaviors. And that immediately set off the red flags in the back of my mind as I had this beloved pair of cockatoides that was about to spawn in my tank and did I really introduce, need to introduce eight, you know, gray-brown epistolike fish into the mix at this juncture? Well, you know what happened next. A mental hold was placed on this acquisition until I was able to complete yet another feasibility study on the pros and cons related to getting that fish. And yet, deep down inside, or maybe even not that deep, I knew the real risk here. These fishes would be long gone by the time that I came to a conclusion, and I was convinced that at that point it might be another 30 years before I had a chance to grab some again. Fortunately, the stars lined up, and by divine providence, excellent timing, or just plain old good luck, I was able to source them again, I pulled the trigger, uh, and after decades, I acquired a group of these like amazing fishes. And of course, after having them for a while, I was like, why did I even hesitate? But my analysis thing, still there. It's a blessing and a curse, I'm telling you. 
It's kept me some, from some making some bad choices over the years, yet it's also prevented me from making some awesome ones. It's nice to consider every aspect of a fish, but it's also a bit excessive in some cases. And I know there's a happy medium between impulsiveness and hyperanalysis. I've just been spending the last several decades trying to hone in on it. Until next time, don't be like me. Indulge your geekiness, but not at the expense of your long-term happiness. You know, be analytical, be strategic, maybe act even a little bit impulsive now and again. But don't be too foolish. Stay focused on what you really like. Stay excited, stay engaged, and stay geeky. And of course, always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. And I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.